Welcome to The Podlight, the audio collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. We have a great show today. We'll be talking about Google. With me is Janice Bitter, Senior Reporter for San Jose Spotlight. Welcome, Janice. Thanks for having me, Bob. So I don't know if you heard, but Google's coming to San Jose. I don't think anyone's really talking about it. I don't <laughs> think it's getting enough coverage. I had a funny meeting with Google where I said, you know, if you Google your project, you might notice that, you know, they're saying, they asked me if I was aware of the project and I said, well, if you Google the stories on it, I'm in it quite a bit. And unfortunately, Google doesn't quite have the sense of humor that uh, we need for coming to San Jose. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about Google, the numbers, the impact. And just for full disclosure, I am representing the Dearden Area Neighborhood Group, DANG, and we're going to work on making this the best dang project in San Jose. Uh, so Jan, so what are your initial thoughts on the submittal? Yeah, well, so a lot of it was what we had seen before. So um, the submittal follows a framework unveiling that Google did in August. And, you know, it's, it's high level. It, it doesn't even really have true massing diagrams because, you know, Google doesn't know how many buildings are going to be placed in here or what the size or the shape of them really will be. But it does give us a sense that of of kind of the way that Google's looking at the area holistically. We can kind of see what corridors they're looking at for arts. We can kind of get a sense of how they plan to spread out the housing throughout and the retail throughout. And of course, it's a, it's a little bit bigger than I think that people anticipated when it was initially announced a couple years ago. So the framework has, has kind of shown us that and the submittal more recently even opens the door for a larger project than... Um, than even what the framework was. So the the before we were hearing six to eight million square feet two years ago, then when we saw the framework, we were looking at maybe eight and a half to nine million square feet. Now they're opening up the door to study an even bigger project, but they're saying they may not fill out that entire. They, you know, they may still only develop eight or nine million square feet of development. Yeah, when you look at their fact sheet that they handed out to people and I was sent, they lead with 50-50 site area of office to other uses, 6.5 million square feet, and then in smaller print below, but studying up to 7.3, three to 5,000 units of housing, again, smaller print underneath, studying up to 5,900 units, 15 acres of parks, plazas, green space, and then 500,000 square feet approximately of retail cultural arts, education, hotel, and other active uses. So it, it's still a word salad of a lot in a historic area. And the graphics are genius because they don't tell you as much as you really want to know, but it's still done well enough where you feel like you're being told something. They have little pictures of corners and the arts plus making square and and so it's all, you know, very well put together and they talk about process. And this is probably the first document I've seen where they actually say, oh yeah, we're going for full consideration in fall 2020. Right. Well, they talked a little bit about that in August when they did their framework unveiling. And days before that framework unveiling, the city actually put out a memo that said, hey, Google has decided that they would like to participate in the AB 900 bill, a law that was passed years ago. But basically what it does is it it kind of streamlines projects that fall under very specific 
guidelines. So it has to bring a lot of high quality jobs. It has to meet certain environmental standards, you know, and if it meets all of these requirements, then they qualify under the streamlining process. In order to really make that streamlining process work for them, they have to get the governor to approve this AB 900 program as before the first of the year. Um, of 2020. And then they have to get their approval before the end of 2020 from the city. And if they don't hit both of those benchmarks, they're not going to qualify for AB 900. And this is going to take longer. I think the key concerns from the neighborhood, putting on my neighborhood hat, is another interesting thing. The city announced not that long ago that their transportation plan, their mobility plan won't be done until after the project has started construction. So those impacts and how it's gonna affect the community won't even be studied before they get an approval. And right. that's problematic as well. Well, and you know, another thing that's on the same timeline as this Google plan is the Deerden Station area plan, the DSAP as it's called. And I spoke to you know a city official last week, and when I was asking him about how the DSAP and the Google plan are going to work together or in parallel, what I found out is that you know they're about to hire a consultant that will really get the DSAP plan moving. This DSAP is going to outline you know what are the new height limits in the Deerden area. It will also take into account you know, things like traffic impacts and things like that, you know, it will lay out all of the zoning and kind of general guidelines for what kind of development can rise here. And when I said, well, how, how is that going to work with the Google plan? Because you're, you're just about to hire the consultant, but Google's just submitted their formal proposal for this same area. And what I found out is they're going to be working in parallel. And I said, is it possible that the city council is going to be considering the Google plan at the same meeting that they're considering the DSAP plan and approving that DSAP plan? And he said, yeah, that's possible. So that is very interesting. That's a lot for community members to be absorbing at once because Google's about, what, 30% of the entire DSAP? They're a part of the Deerden Station area. And the DSAP is going to govern about 240 acres in San Jose. People are going to have to absorb a lot. People are going to have to be very active to keep on top of this. Yeah, and, and that's the message that the neighborhoods have been given is that it will be in parallel and it's going to get approved at the same time. Hell or high water, it's going to happen. And that's part of the reason why these three neighborhood groups combined to form Dang and to hire me is because they were like, wait, we're going to do both at the same time? Because part of the, when the city kind of sold this project, it's 10 to 12 years out. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Just, we'll just all be gone from out of office, don't worry. And then they went from second gear to fourth gear in a hurry, and it's kind of whipsawed a lot of community members, and it's going to have to get real in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Because I think the key concern for people is you don't want the good part of the project being Google you know, being the nice with the 15 foot sidewalks and you go across the street and it's a six foot sidewalk. It really needs to have a comprehensive plan. Right. And I've also heard that in my reporting from community members who say that they, you know, they just want the area to be planned comprehensively. You know, there's going to have to be a lot of improvements just generally. And there's this cry of, you know, here's a giant tech company with more money than any of us could even, even ever fathom. <laughs> and, you know, if they're going to come and add these impacts to our community, 
then we want to make sure that we're getting the community benefits. We need good roads. We need good sidewalks. We need art. We need affordable housing, especially, right? And then you've got Google, who I think has shown that they want to add good things to the community. I can give a couple of examples in a second. But they're also telling San Jose, the city, very clearly that they want to pay their fair share. That means that they're not the only ones that are going to be paying for this. Because again, the Deerden Station area is 240 acres, and they're about 60 to 80 acres of that. 80 if you also include the publicly owned streets. So they don't want to be the only ones ponying up. I, I think that's completely reasonable. And I think the the key to this, I mean, the good news is you have a master developer. The bad news is you have a master developer and they're kind of taking the brunt of it all. Because I can only imagine how poor this would happen if it was piecemeal, right? I mean, it would be really hard to have a cohesive plan if you didn't have somebody who was going to do a spine of the area. So that is nice. You're going to have this nice backbone to kind of tie off of for other projects. I think the struggle for Google is, is I don't think they've been given the leeway to comment on things outside of their project area. And so I think they're kind of hamstrung on that of wanting other people to do as well as they are. And so I think it's going to be hard for them. I think they're going to, by proxy, raise the bar. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if the city process lags at all. You know, I think that's fair. I mean, it is true that you have a master developer and oftentimes that creates nicer projects that that do feel connected. You know, anytime you can master plan a whole area, that's great for the community because then they can have input about how it all feels together. But you're also absolutely right that the rest of the developers that then come in are going to have to think about how they connect to Google's project. And it, it, I mean, Google is, again, they've got more money than almost anyone. (laughs) So they can really um, create very high quality projects. They can really, they've got an eye for detail as we can see on their campuses throughout the country. So that is going to be very interesting. It's going to be an interesting development to watch over time. But once Google's there, for sure it's going to redevelop, don't you think, Bob? Yeah, I think it's going to, I think San Carlos Street's going to have a huge change, metamorphosis. I think really the area between Santana Row and this area could see a huge revitalization and change. Um, So I think it's going to cause a lot of uh, redevelopment. I'm just going to go on the record. I'm not a big fan of Downtown West. I just think that's a silly, silly name. Um, But I think the key thing is something has to start it. And this is the catalyst of it all. So, I mean, I think that they they mean well. I think they have really good planning staff. Uh, Their housing developer, Lancy, seems to be very talented and know what they're doing. The question is, when things start getting tight and they have to kind of have some difficult conversations with the city, how is the city going to react? I mean, there's a lot that we still have to figure out here. And one of those things, too, is, you know, things like building heights. I mean, that's going to be very important to Google in these negotiations. What we know so far is that, you know, the city has increased the height limits. So that means that they haven't redone, again, they haven't finished this Dearden Station area plan where they have put specific height limits in place for this area. But the city has raised the the top end of like where those building heights can rise to. It used to be that they were shorter. They, they could only rise to a certain level because of concerns around airport safety. But 
through technology and things like that, they can now rise higher. So I'll be very interested to see how those building heights play into the negotiations because if the DSAP makes the building heights that Google likes, then that could become a very good project for them, as in a very profitable project. You know, height and density often makes things like residential work. Yeah, I think that's the the main point of contention is going to be two things. It's going to be the height of the buildings next to residential and what parks are real parks because they have bioswales and other water treatment stuff. And a lot of this that you look at, you kind of wonder how much of it's really a park versus a place for water to retain. So I think the heights are going to be a real issue really quick. It's been in every part of the city since the beginning of San Jose forming. I'm sure when the person did the first two-story building, somebody next door had the same complaints. So it's part of human nature of just understanding the heights and what how it's going to affect their uh, quality of life and the light that enters into their backyard. I think San Jose and the 45-degree view plane kind of analysis on that, I don't know if that's going to really hold here. But the bottom line is, is Google is the white knight economically for the city of San Jose. And push comes to shove. How much are they going to be able to put their foot down and draw a line in the sand? You know, that's fair. I mean, when I read, I, I was able to go back and read a lot of the closed door transcripts, like the, those closed door meetings uh, that city leaders had as it relates to the negotiations that they were having with Google. And that was one concern that bubbled up. Now, those transcripts didn't tell me who was speaking when. It didn't have names attached to them. But I could see that there were certain city leaders that were concerned that Google really had the power there. And then there were others that said, that's not true. We hold a lot of power because we don't have to approve their project. And so, you know, that's not an unfounded concern, even among city leaders. I know that for sure. And I guess it depends on your perspective, who holds the power in this negotiation. I'm going to be cynical and go back to the golden rule that the gold rules. Um, This project alone is going to take between this and let's say Jay Paul. Let's say those are only two projects that happen. The housing jobs imbalance, I think, goes away. I've been asking for six months for the calculation of when this all gets built, what's the final number going to be? And nobody at City Hall really wants to answer that because I think it, it flips pretty dramatically. So when these guys come in and they start paying their property taxes and they start doing all that, um, the direct, indirect, and you know all that kind of stuff and the property tax and the new revenues from everything around it, it's really going to drastically change the way the city can pay pensions with the pension crisis. And I really do think push come to shove. If there's a, use a sporting analogy, a 50, 50 ball, so to speak, the city's going to cave hard. That's interesting. Well, I mean, uh, we're going to find out in the next year, uh, how, how everything will shake out. But, you know, I think your point is well taken that San Jose's I think the only city in the Bay Area, to my knowledge, that has that jobs to housing imbalance that is reversed from every other city. So San Jose actually has more homes than it does jobs. And we know that economically, the jobs spaces, those commercial buildings, are what really create tax dollars for cities. Oftentimes, residential actually loses cities money, depending on, you know, like I said, once you get into very high density residential, sometimes that... Uh, the calculation is better for cities in terms of revenue. But um, mid-rise, 
oftentimes we'll lose the city money in terms of tax revenue because of the services needed with the fire department and other, and you know, et cetera. So, um, so the city is really looking for a way out of that jobs to housing imbalance. Uh, they, they need more jobs because they do need more money in their budget. And, uh, that's definitely something that Google can bring them. And, uh, so we shall see. We shall see how city leaders balance all of these these pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, I tend to remind people that there's a value to not selling your soul because you might need it later. And I think there's something that the San Jose leaders could really do to really impress their constituents by by just not selling their soul and what San Jose means and what it means to be San Jose. Because I think we're all really proud to live here and work here and and I think this is an opportunity, but it's not the founding of the city. It's it's needs to be put in perspective where it's a project, not the project. And it's part of the evolution of San Jose. And I think we'll be uh, very interested in keeping track of this as we move forward. And I thank you again. Thank you for having me.